Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with producer Layla Muhammad and contributor Vogue Robinson. Yeah, she's back. And we're talking about the teens accused of a hit and run, their appearance in court, why an alleged sex trafficking victim is suing a Vegas motel, and Nevada Day observed. It's Friday, October 27th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. CityCast producer Layla Muhammad and CityCast civilian... Vogue Robinson, welcome to the Friday News Roundup. Civilian. Hello, I'm your CityCast civilian. <laughs> Hello, good morning. Happy Friday. Good morning. You're our uh, ex officio emeritus um, mm. ambassador to the world, Vogue Robinson. It's so good to see you this the morning. Hello, I'm back. What's good? You're back and you're ready to talk. <laughs> A week of news that uh, has a lot of uh, a court stuff going on. Uh, first off, shout out, speaking of courts, those Las Vegas Aces, back-to-back champs. Woo! Back-to-back world champions. Nice. Yes, I love that. I feel like people were making shirts before we even knew it was going to happen because uh, people have faith. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's really exciting to have like two-time champions and that it's a WNBA team. Uh, and... Boo hiss to the culinary union who pretended to be arrested on the strip on Wednesday night as part of some weird theater. And I, I just don't like when people cosplay the carceral system when there's so much real stuff going on. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, another convo for another day. But today, let's talk about an actual court proceeding. Layla, um, the teens who are in the news for that uh, hit and run that they are accused of, allegedly laughing. There's claims that they made rude gestures in court. What mm-hmm. happened in court for the two juveniles uh, charged with murder of the bicyclist? Yes. Yeah, so on Tuesday during their court appearance to set a trial date, um, the two teens that are accused of intentionally hitting and running a retired California cop um, who was cycling on the side of the street on North Tanea near Centennial Parkway. They were seen laughing and giggling and talking to each other during their court appearance. You can see in video that they're kind of covering their face and trying to hide from the media and looking at each other and seemingly laughing and giggling with each other. And, um, also, it's been reported in headlines that they also flipped a middle finger to the victim's family. Um, so as I'm sure you could have guessed, uh, this has caused quite the uproar. Um, Reddit users are livid. The family is livid. People are shooting pretty nasty messages to the teens um, whose families weren't even in court. I thought that was an interesting um, yeah. side note that um, I read in the reporting of this. But yeah, it's it's not a good look for these teens who during this whole ordeal have been showing some really nasty behavior. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that only the family members are confirming that they were flipped off. Uh, it seems mm-hmm. like there was an entire courtroom of people and only they saw it. Take that for whatever you want. I mean, exactly. clearly they're in a lot of pain. 
uh, the loss of their loved one, always understandable when victims' families are emotional and upset. Yeah, and um, to clarify that, our, our lead producer, Sonia, asked a reporter who was in the courtroom if they saw that middle finger, because uh, there's no video of it. No one can find video or picture of them flipping the middle finger to the victim's family. Um, the reporter in the courtroom said they didn't see it, but that has been included in reporting because the family of the victim described it. I mean, the middle finger thing has been in headlines like the, from the Review Journal, New York Post, the Daily Mail. Um, and I think that's adding to the kind of hatred that the teens are getting. I mean, Reddit users are saying that they should have been aborted, nailed oh to the God. wall. The yeah. victims of the... I've seen worse. Yeah. The the daughter of the victim even uh, suggested that it should be an eye for an eye. So it's turning into a pretty nasty case for um, this 18-year-old and 16-year-old. How are both of you seeing these teens being portrayed in the local news media coverage? Is it a way that's fair or any parts of it feel unfair to you? After all, they are charged with murder. I don't think, I wouldn't even go into the realm of, of fair. I think for me, just having worked in schools and worked with, with students who have some really um, like painful childhoods, painful like family members who are not in support of them, who aren't really present to take care of them. Um, I think that manifests in a lot of different ways. And so when I first found out about this, I said, kids did did this there's there's no way and then posted a video on social media which is very it's of not the even times. <laughs> it's not even yeah it's of the times like it's not even stupid it's reckless it's almost like do you care about your own well-being if this thing if this is this is an action that you take so the entire you know alleged crime that these these young folks did is like be, beyond understanding. And so it, in my head, my heart, I immediately am just like, what's what's going on with them? How are they being treated at home? Why is it? Why didn't anybody, you know, check on them? And that might be a part of the reason why the family is not present. Um, and I do think that, you know, from the stuff for me, my perspective on court is, you know, it's like it's theater and the stuff I've learned from all the TV shows where it's like, there's a way you're supposed to act in a way you're supposed to look. So the difference between how we see like the TELUS trial, like the way we see how he operates and acts and looks in all the photos that are taken of him versus what we're seeing with these young people is very different. And, you know, all we're seeing mostly is people saying, you know, these kids should have been aborted or that they should be killed. Also, I don't know, Layla, is it is it fair? Because they are accused of doing absolutely one of the most heinous things that a human can do to another human. And there's video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they videoed themselves committing these horrible crimes. I mean, it wasn't only the hit and run. They sideswiped another driver before that. And they, mm -hmm. I think they bumped another cyclist before that. And this is all yeah. I mean, we have to say video. allegedly, but there does yeah, seem to allegedly. be video that does seem very um, convincingly Clear. attached to these two juveniles. Exactly. And then the laughing in court, I mean... Teen, who knows how teens process things? I mean, I remember being a teen, going through stuff like you could, you don't, I feel like they might be processing it in a different way or, you know, like teens always react in a weird way. I mean, I've seen kids and people laugh at the worst, quote unquote, worst 
um, times. So I don't know if the laughing should be this emphasized or this important. Flipping the middle finger to the victim's family, that's unfortunate and that's horrible. But I it, I don't know, it's, it's rough to, um, when you're judging young people on how they're reacting to things. It's who knows what's going through their minds. I feel like there's no right way to approach this other than other than to say like there is deep grief and and sorrow coming from that family and so if it's showing up as anger as wanting them to feel I think it would maybe bring the family some relief if if the if those juveniles actually showed a visual of looking like they felt some type of remorse or fear you know that you could you could feel like okay well at least they know that they did something wrong at least there's some they're humans you know like yeah. to think yeah. that way and I think as long as this is the the version of them that we're seeing, of the young men that we're seeing, it's going to be hard to to bring forth people to think about, okay, well, these are still super young people. You know, we don't know what else was going on in their lives. And I'm not saying, oh, cut them some slack, but I'm saying treat them like human beings as opposed to these are, these are animals that should be slaughtered. And even then, people have different feelings about that as well. Right. And having dealt with so many cases in my prior career, where victims' families just are unable to see remorse, even if it's right in front of their face. So, mm. I mean, that's a it's a tall order. And, you know, they go to court, they're angry. They're also staring at the the individuals who took their loved ones' lives. Yeah. And that creates this, like, weird tension situation. Court proceedings go on for a really long time. There are moments of levity that happen. They're still human. They do get to react to that. Um, you know, is it all just theater? They should just have their heads down and be sad. And, uh, you know, look, I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think, oh, they're, they're you know, bleeding heart liberals. If, if, by all accounts, these two individuals are responsible for some bad things that they will be punished for. I, there is still a question, uh, of course, being America, they're innocent until proven guilty, but there's still a question as to the degree of culpability. And even the video that gets shown and uh, of of the then 17-year-old uh, defendant in the back of a police car, he's having this engagement with a police officer who knows what sort of bravado he's talking about. But he also says in the context of, you know, I'm just going to get a slap on the wrist, that he read a report and he didn't know that anyone was seriously injured. So, you know, we we put all this stuff out and, and the defense attorney, David Westbrook, argued that these boys are not going to get a fair jury trial because of the media coverage. It's essentially being tried in the court of public opinion. Uh, then again, the the victim's wife and his daughter are doing these interviews and they're arguing that it's the boys who are the ones who put this in the media in the first place with those posts of the videos that they took. I, I mean, who who has the stronger point? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I think the family, I think both sides are right. Like, it's not going to be a fair trial, but also there's no way for it to be a fair trial because because it's out into the social media world. So there's no way to take that back. And so I think, you know, they'd be hard pressed to find somebody who hadn't seen or heard about the video. If they put it out there and it's out in the world and as long as people are looking at this with a close lens, and I think it's both like shock and awe that that you people can't look away from it. And so keep digging further and further to find things that um, reinforce their opinions already. Justice is a hard word, I feel like, to to fully define. Ultimately, if the case doesn't resolve in some sort of plea bargain or plea negotiation, um, the prosecutors, you know, will be tasked uh, on some level of proving either that this was intentional killing 
or that these young people uh, exhibited what <laughs> under the law we call an abandoned and malignant heart. Mm. Very, very uh, bad Damn. place for poetry to work its way into uh, the law. But, uh, you know, painting these these young people uh, as sort of lacking in remorse, being indignant, all that yeah. sort of thing, uh, you know, that makes the prosecutor's case easier. And uh, having dealt with these particular prosecutors, um, they're going to take every chance they can to put that kind of stuff in front of the jury. It, it's going to be one of those cases to watch because— it, it hits people on a lot of different levels, but not to suggest that people shouldn't be held accountable for their actions or in any way should this be considered to be diminishing the the real pain and sorrow of, of the loss of, of their loved one to the victim's family. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. All right. Another court proceeding of sorts um, is a sex trafficking victim uh, is saying that a motel where it allegedly happened should give her a lot of money. Um, <laughs> what's that lawsuit about? <laughs> is it a lot of money? Look, you found numbers. Motel, hotel, Holiday Inn. So um, – <laughs> Y'all, y'all brought me back for like the best week of news. Just, just so you know. Uh, so I mean, it was kind of like what motel, <laughs> motel six to be exact, um, and it's the motel six near the strip off of like Trop and um, Las Vegas Boulevard. So the person who's bringing forth the case, they only are going by NC, and their lawyer is Randolph Janice, um, who's like a New York based lawyer, but he's working yeah. with. Eaglet Adams, so it's a law firm out here. Which is a big, reputable firm in yeah, Las Vegas. No. They do the yeah. big old cases. My friend used to work there. So, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's it's not a game. Um, so the alleged sex trafficking happened in 2013. And according to NC, it happened multiple times that she, that she was trafficked. She's suing Motel 6 to say that they had willful blindness then their failure to act for financial benefit, that the Motel 6 staff watched a procession of unregistered guests come in and out, back and forth to her room and in and out of the hotel. And like, it's not like that Motel 6 is big. Like you, 
if you're paying attention and you know essentially doing your job, she's saying they should have noticed it and they should have done something. They could have done something to prevent it. Uh, and the reason why Randolph Janice is like all up in this is this is his jam. Okay, so he dealt with at least 30 cases in Florida. And then there's one in New York and like 10 other cases that are coming. And it's a result of a new law that's the Traffic Victims Protection Reauthorization Act. And so it allows you as a victim to bring a claim against people who knowingly benefit from like seeing someone being trafficked or like that you should have known (laughs) that someone was engaged in in sex trafficking. So it's kind of like, I don't know, the opposite or the same as like, isn't there like a good neighbor law, David? Yeah, Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. So this is, yeah. you're calling this the Bad Samaritan Law? I think so. I think that's how I would categorize it. So like if you you saw something, you didn't say something, you're in trouble and you can be sued. And so, um, you know, NC and Janice are coming for Motel 6. As I understand it, there wasn't actually a sex trafficking conviction anywhere in that case. But Correct. for purposes of this discussion, let's just Let's just accept her claims are true that she was being trafficked versus just engaging in prostitution. Layla, is her claim against the Motel 6 fair? How would a motel clerk tell if someone is being sex trafficked versus engaging in, in sex work or prostitution? Well, I think it's probably up to the hotel operator to check or check in on the situation if they... um feel like even it could be going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even whether, no matter which one it is, I think it would be better to check to make sure there's no human trafficking going on on your property. I mean, I think it is fair for Motel 6 to be liable for this. I'm thinking about all of the hotels in Las Vegas. There has to be some kind of accountability or watch or just like awareness Mm -hmm. that this could be going on on your property in hotels and just to keep an eye on i mean if if she's true that there were a procession of unregistered male guests coming in and out of her room that's a red flag and i don't understand how i don't understand how any operator manager person who is at the front desk of a hotel seeing this can just turn a blind eye and ignore that. And I feel bad for the victim of this, that she had to go through that and no one thought to check up on her. I mean, I I agree with Vogue. The the It's like a, the bad Samaritan law. Like you're being a bad Samaritan, you should be held accountable for this. And to add to what Layla's saying, um, Motel 6, their spokesperson said, we have an extensive anti-human trafficking program for employees, franchisees, and hotel teams. And like this Motel 6 is a franchise. So saying that they have best practices and they're like, you know, we we want to be able to identify the signs of trafficking. So Motel 6 is saying like, we have training. We know what it is. Um, of course, you know. We, it's very easy for us to say, yes, if we saw sex trafficking, of course we have a duty as Good Samaritans to report it. But I, did either one of you hear about like the the Cindy McCain situation that happened a couple of years ago Ooh, at no. uh, Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport? Yeah. So Cindy McCain, who is the wife of the late Senator John McCain, um, reported because, you know, she's hyper aware uh, sex trafficking was happening in the uh, airport, but it was only a woman who was with a child of a different ethnicity. And to her, that was a sign of sex trafficking because of all the what? Uh, literature Gosh. that's out there for her. And so she's had, she's since apologized. Uh, 
Mm. But, you know, like, see the signs, know the signs. It's like, what exactly are the signs and how do you make that sort of distinction? And, you know, look, if this case stands, uh, Motel 6 today, is it tomorrow the win? Should the Bellagio be held liable for, you know, high-end sex workers going up their elevator and down their elevator and up because, well, something's going on? Mm. I mean, Uber drivers... The people who gave the cell phones uh, are benefiting from the making of the uh, appointments because people find people through phones. Or uh, Where does responsibility start and end and what are the actual standards? Mm. I think for a motel, it's it's more clear and it's obvious Like you can tell who's coming in, coming out. Like I used to work at like my first job out of college was at the Bahia Hotel in San Diego. So I was at a small hotel and I worked graveyard I saw some very weird Weird shit. So like you notice and and it's part of your job is to be aware of like what's going on and who's coming in and out of the rooms. So I don't I, I wouldn't put, you know, the Uber drivers because they're contractors and they their training is probably a lot different. I wouldn't put it in their hands, but I think that they require some training as well. And so I think with the motel, it's a lot more mm. clear. If there's a procession of people coming in and out, the possibility of it being sex work is higher. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Vogue, I'm curious because we're saying, yes, these hotels, motels should be held accountable. But for you who worked front desk at a small establishment, do you think that would have put undue pressure on you as a, a front desk worker who's not like high up in management, but you're seeing it? So does that would that put pressure on you to confront any of this? Uh, the training I had, it wasn't about confronting. It was just, you know, you make a phone call. Like, there are mm. authorities for that. And so, you know, if I'm, if you know, there was a guy who was drunk and walking around and just his underwear <laughs> and, like, uh, yeah, and he wanted his room key, but he didn't have ID. <laughs> and I didn't ask him for his ID because it was clear he didn't have it. So, you know, we had to call the cops and be like, um, we're going to, I don't know what you need, sir, but I can't help you. <laughs> like, I didn't see you in the morning because I only work graveyard. But I think as yeah. an employee, yeah, you're, you can be observant and you can call the cops. I don't think it's anything else is outside of the scope and the realm of what is safe. Uh, and I think it's about, you know, the safety first. And as we expand this conversation about sex trafficking, I mean, let's not forget that there are um, lots of sex workers who think that this expansion is going to lead to more of these Cindy McCain type situations and less safety for them, uh, and that they call for not more laws or more liability, but decriminalization of prostitution so that, you know, they can um, do their business that they choose to do mm -hmm. uh, without these other outside pressures and things like that. I mean, it's a complicated issue. And I think when we try to make it very simplistic, like, well, obviously, if there's sex trafficking, everyone should be held liable, uh, maybe is a little more nuanced. Yeah. When we yeah. know that in Amsterdam, like there are there are places, other places in the world where sex work is legal and their systems well, are very also, different. Well, uh, also not terribly far from Las Vegas. Yes. Up as there well. as well. Yeah. Also that. <laughs> different way. Different way. Let's move on to the last topic, and this one's just a fun, fast one. Nevada Day is coming up, but it is Nevada Day observed, observed. not the actual day that Nevada became part of these United States of America uh, to go on the right side of history as we enter during the Civil War. 
as a free state <laughs> on October 31st, 1864. Halloween! Um, and then there was a decision that got made. Voters were involved. The legislature was involved. It took some time. But that, you know, there might be some money to be made in doing Nevada Day parades, and we can't do them some random Wednesday. <laughs> so let's make it that Friday before. We've been doing that since uh, the year 2000. I, 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 as an old school Nevadan, I, I always say uh, observed uh, as opposed to actual. Um, though I met my my significant other on uh, Nevada Day observed, Aww. so we just call our anniversary <laughs> Nevada Day, and we just take the whole damn weekend. That's disgusting. Here. I love right? it. Well, look, I've got my own special plans, uh, just because it's also it's a triple threat. Right. It's Nevada Day. It's Halloween. It's an anniversary. But what are your plans for Nevada Day weekend or Halloween or even uh, Dia de los Muertos? Uh, Any holiday celebrations coming up? October was a really busy month for me, so I'm staying home. Um, I'm hoping to get trick-or-treaters on Halloween. Um, We haven't gotten a lot in our neighborhood these past few years. So I'm... Last year we handed out COVID tests. So, yeah. No, you didn't. (laughs) No, we didn't. We're we're decorating our front yard, turning our light on, and hoping that the trick-or-treaters come. Oh, I love that. How about you, Vogue? So we, my family, we're planning on doing like a um, a margarita night in the, what is the word? In the tradition of Practical Magic, which is this movie about two sisters who are witches, and my sister and I love witch movies. So there's a scene where they're doing margaritas at midnight. So we're doing that with myself and the nieces. Um and my play sister. So we're going to have two different blenders. And we're going to label them. <laughs> we might need to actually put like strawberry for the adults and, the t- and lime for the girls so that there's Just no confusion. Label the blenders Nevada Day Actual and Nevada Day Observed. Yes, I'm not above it, David. Watch me. <laughs> so I'll send you photos. But we'll do that. We're going to make this like spooky punch. So it'll be Seven Up and um, Rainbow Sherbert, which makes a really spooky punch. And then we'll watch like five or six. Um, Spooky. My was my husband is like, oh, is it gonna be horror? And I was like, no, we're doing spooky movies. So it'll be like Casper. Practical Magic is probably the scariest. Nightmare Before Christmas. Something. Boo the something. Something the girls want to watch. So we'll do some spooky movie. Hocus Pocus. Spooky movies. Spooky snacks. I gotta go buy tacos because I was gonna make them, but no, I'm gonna go buy some tacos and we're gonna enjoy ourselves in pajamas. And uh, it's the first time we've done something like this because my sister usually works. So I'm excited. <laughs> Holiday spirit. Yeah. Usually we go to different parts of the state of Nevada to see those damn parades that they moved everything around for. I'm going to tell you, sometimes they're a blast. Uh, The one in Beatty just happens on the freeway. They shut down the freeway, which I love that. We've been to the one up in Carson City, and we've been to the Nevada Day Celebration uh, in Virginia City. It's like literally parades and fun and frivolity and celebration. Um, this year, I think we're just going to make a little dip into California, just get a little respite out uh, near some, boo. maybe You're some You're going to go to California on hot Nevada springs. Day. Wow. Yeah, the disrespect. Just kind of get out. Just get out. Well, for anyone who is staying in Nevada um, for Nevada Day in Las Vegas, they are doing um, free entry to Springs Preserve and the Nevada State oh, Museum yeah. today um, from exciting. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Oh, what a bargain. Yeah, that's in honor of Nevada Day Observed. And, uh, well, there you have it. Well, Vogue Robinson, welcome back to your home 
Always a place for you, my friend. And Layla Muhammad, of course, you as well. Uh, The Dream Team, Layla Muhammad and Vogue Robinson, thanks for joining us on CityCast Las Vegas Friday News Roundup Observed. Observed. (laughs) Thank you. Happy Nevada Day. Happy Nevada Day. And that's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, with special thanks to editor Adrian Gonzalez for the extra help. I am your host, David Figler. Music is by OG Moose and Epidemic Sound, as well as All the Kimonos. We record the show on the traditional homelands of the Nuuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, uh, you know the drill. Go tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our brilliant morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Till then, stay lucky. And I know last year, Asia Wilson kind of called out President Biden for not, you know, putting some respect on their name. So uh, fingers crossed that this time they get addressed properly. (sighs) Come on, let's get it together. And congratulations to the aces.